Alright, we'll greet you in Jesus' name this morning. And thankful to, to Christ, to Jesus, that He has made it a way possible for us to have pure hearts before Him. We can be His children. We have a word of prayer before we go to the message. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a God of love. Thank you that you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ, as a propitiation for our sins. That we can come to you boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. I pray, Father, that as we look into your word together, that your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, that has promised to be in the midst of your people, would speak to each of our hearts, Father, and bring us closer into a resemblance of, of Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you can open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter, chapter 4 here is a, a, a father speaking to his son. I'm going to break in at verse 18. He's <clears throat> saying to uh, stay away from the wicked people. Verse 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is, a, is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips far from, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left Remove thy foot from evil. The title of the message this morning is Keep Thy Heart with All Diligence. From verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. <clears throat> How do we keep keep our heart? Well, we don't give it away. You think you know you have a tool. You keep it. You don't give it away. You hang it on your shelf in, in the shop. Well, there's more to, more to keeping keeping here than that. Keeping our heart um, has to deal with being a guard, a watchman. Uh, it's that proactive. It's an activity. It's not just a lack of giving it away. Keep. Keep thy heart. In uh, Deuteronomy, God is talking about how he took care of Israel. Uh, verse, uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 10, he says, He found Israel in a desert land in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. A picture of God's protection. Keep our hearts. You know how fast you blink. Sometimes children do this little trick. So you're scared of this little man? And then, you know, you blink, of course. 
Uh, yeah, we're scared of this little man. Uh, and we blink. Our, our eyes are, are very reactive to, to, to uh, this risk of something coming in and, 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 and damaging them. That's the way Christ, and that's the way God was describing his care for Israel. And it's the same Hebrew word that uh, is in Strong's Concordance. He brought it out that way, that um, we keep our hearts. God led him. He instructed him. We lead our hearts. We instruct our hearts. We keep it as the apple of our eye. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep thy heart. Second Timothy 2.15 Paul's writing, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Romans 14.12 So then every one of us shall give an account unto God. Give an account of himself unto God. We are each responsible to take care of our own hearts. Now, there are, of course, parameters put in place by other people. Um, the um, Church leadership, our parents, um, other adults, authorities in our, in our lives. And that is all helpful. But ultimately, each person individually is responsible to keep their own heart I know the scripture talks about church leaders as being, uh, as giving account. They watch for your souls as they must give account. But I understand they're giving account for their own responses towards you, me. Not giving account for your actions. See, they're giving account for their responses, not for your actions. They're not, it's not their fault. If you are faithful, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, um, that wasn't a really good thing to say. It's not their fault if you're unfaithful, and they help us a lot, encourage us in, in being faithful. Uh, but they're not the ones that give account for, your, for our actions. We all give account for ourselves. When we get good before the judgment seat of Christ, we're all God in you. Um, now we have brotherhood, thankfully. <laughs> Um, and to, to prepare us for that time. <clears throat> and it makes you really thankful that Jesus Christ will be there and say, yeah, that's my child. <laughs> yeah, he's part of the God, part of the judgment. <clears throat> there. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It's your own personal heart. Keep thy heart. Heart. Now, if you have a Going to a biology class, science class, anywhere. Um, you, you learn all about the heart and, and how it pumps blood round and round in your body and has little tubes hooked up to it. Um, it's a great little machine, little organ. It's kind of interesting how people use uh, figures of speech have developed over, over the years. And the heart is one of those. Yesterday, I was... Um, Printing out some address labels, and uh, I put my wife and I's name on the address label. And between it, I put this little, cute little shape. Uh, it's a, a curvy little, sweet little heart. Wasn't that nice? Now, why do we choose 
this symbol, uh, I put it there to show, um, you know, an affectionate relationship. I could have just as well put this. <laughs> Biblically, scripturally. When um, the two women were before Solomon, um, it says that the real mother of the child, her bowels yearned for her child. Um, Paul used the same word uh, as as the verse down. So not. Um, he, he, he longs for them in the bowels of Jesus Christ, I think it says. So we get, we get these body parts uh, with, with uh, imbued meaning. Um, another really strange one, I mean, strange to me at least, is the Bible is, it has a lot to say about these. It calls them reigns. Um, Psalms is, has a lot of references to reins. Uh, they were pricked in their reins. Um, and it's the same Hebrew word that the priests were instructed to take the, uh, like the, the liver and the call above the liver and the kidneys and the fat thereof, uh, and sacrifice in the offerings. And somehow, over, over time, kidneys got associated with, um, Almost like our conscience. <clears throat> and that's not all that unusual. Um, our culture as well. You might have used the term, you know, I just had a gut feeling it was so and so. Or your friends are jumping off the uh, promontory into the river and you just didn't have the guts to do it. You know, if you had a couple more loops of bow. You really, you really got in there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, a couple of loops of bow doesn't help. I never could do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a high jumper. Um, but we have this heart. Uh, yeah, and, and not just, um, not, not only is heart used as the kind of the center of humans, but it's used as the main point of anything. You know, the heart of the matter is that you know, the potatoes are rotting in the ground and we have to go dig it out. You know, we use it in a variety of ways to show that this is the main point. Um, a writer, one uh, uh, um, quality of a good writer is to be able to use figures of speech effectively. It's kind of boring if you always say what you mean. Uh, but to use figures of speech effectively in the scriptures, full of it. Um, it seems like the Hebrew culture was just built on word pictures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, he me beside the still waters, lie down in green pastures. <clears throat> and of course, we're not, we're not eating grass, and we're not sheep. But he gives a whole description about how a shepherd would do to sheep in their culture. 
So, keep thy heart. It does not mean take your nitroglycerin pills at the proper time. It means keep, protect, guard, uh, proactively control, lead your inmost being. Maybe soul would be a good word in there. Um, Heart's used in a variety of ways. It's a little hard to pin it down. Um, what, what the what the replacement term could be. <clears throat> the uh, in in ancient cultures, the heart was was given was given uh, personality. Um, the Egyptians thought that when they died, um, some god, uh, see Osis maybe. Um, kind of jackal-headed person would take their heart and put it on the scales and take a feather and put it on the other side of the scales and see which is heavier. So if you were light-hearted, that means you, you were a good person. If you were, had a heavy heart, it means you were a bad person. And I think the jackal would eat your heart and then that was bad. Uh, but the brain, where our, we say our thinking happens, um, they didn't really have much value for the brain. They thought it produced the mucus that runs out of their nose. So they didn't really say much about that. Uh, and of course, as, as anatomy knowledge grew, um, people, people understood more about how our bodies work. But the, the, uh, the Bible saying that our kidneys have feelings or that you, you know, our, our uh, bowels, urine, or whatever, uh, isn't, isn't wrong. It's not bad at all. It's, it's a good use of figures of speech. I was kind of intrigued to know that, notice that Daniel had enough knowledge about anatomy to know that dreams happen in your head. Uh, that's about the only, that's the only reference I could find about um, the, 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 the mind being attributed to to the head. Uh, he talks about the mind, the heart, kind of interchangeably. But he, uh, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that he had a dream in his head. <clears throat> I was kind of impressed with that. that Daniel, Daniel knew that. Maybe the Spirit of God told him that. I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> the, the, our, our, our body cavities do, though, respond very quickly to emotions. Um, and so, love, uh, hate, jealousy, fear, this is where we feel it. Uh, and so, it's very easy to start attributing this area with feeling and with, uh, with uh, personality characters. Which makes it really, very good, very good figure of speech in a variety of ways. So, the heart has come to mean the source of motives and desires. Uh, we have an unregenerate heart. We have a, uh, a clean heart, a pure heart. Um, the, so- the source of our motives and desires. Keep thy heart with all diligence. This is a very important inst- piece of instruction here. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Be proactive. We have the armor of God we can put on. Use the armor of God to quench the fiery darts that come after. In 2 Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, 
study to show thyself approved unto God. It doesn't mean read books. It means um, to be diligent. Um, the another place where it talks about studying is uh, where it says it's study to be quiet. It's, it's and to mind your own business and to work with your hands. Um, so this is a a, a a call for diligence. Be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Uh, in Romans, Paul was talking about how the Israelites were uh, cut off from the olive branch. <clears throat> and he says, well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Or res- respect this condition. You, you stand by faith. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. It takes all diligence. Um, Hebrews 3 is giving an example of a, um, the wicked man Esau. He says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from, from the living God. Also in Hebrews, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief of the Israelites and of Esau. So, why does it take such diligence? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 tell us a bit why it takes such diligence. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's verse 9. That desperately wicked, uh, Strong's definition said it's like an incurable disease. It's not just that it's wicked, but it's it's a lost cause. Um, that is the same word that was used in places where described incurable diseases. Uh, one of the prophets told a king that he was going to have a disease where his bowels would fall out. And they did. Uh, that was an incur- incurable disease. Um, the same, same word is used as here is translated desperately wicked. The heart is deceitful, devious, uh, it can make you believe all kinds of things. And is incurable. Who can understand it? And verse 10. Verse 10 is a very important verse to notice. I, the Lord, search the heart. He's the one that can understand it. This devious, incurable heart. I try the reins. Let's talk about the kidneys again. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings. So, again, the reason it takes so much diligence is that by default, our hearts, our inner beings are devious and sly and tricky and deceptive. We're we're very gullible. You know, I uh, kind of like to think I'm not very gullible, um, but uh, but I am. I know. 
Sorry. It's just, I think it's part of human nature. Uh, you know, I like to think, think that I can, can uh, look at a, a product or a, a statement, you know, and kind of evaluate it. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, humans fall for all kinds of things. The advertising industry knows all about that. There are 101 ways to get people to persuade to buy something. So, the heart is deceitful above all things and incurable, like a disease. But the Lord can search it out. Uh, in Hebrews, the writer is talking about the Word of God. Three couple of verses there. Hebrews four, twelve to sixteen. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This uh, matches what, what Jeremiah said. <clears throat> that God knows all about us. See, God made us, of course. Uh, an inventor knows his machine. God knows us. God made us after his own image. We have personality traits similar to God in the fallen state originally. But redeemable in Christ. God understands us very well. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Again, hold fast. It's a diligence. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. It takes focus. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we need help for our incurable hearts. We need to stay close to the high priest. Close to the one that can search out the motives in our hearts and let us know what they are. He can fill us in when, we, when we're getting a little deceived by ourselves. People tell themselves all kinds of strange things. Um, either bad or good. People tell themselves that they're no good. People tell themselves that they are good, depending on the, on the situation. But God, God wants us to, to believe the truth about ourselves and, and about him. So Proverbs 4 23, yes. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Second part, second half of the verse. For out of it are the issues of life. 
For out of it are the issues of life. Out of our hearts uh, come the things that make up, our, make up our lives. Proverbs 23, 7. The first part of it is talking about going to, uh, going to lunch at a king's house. Watch out. Um, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not what he says, but as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So watch out what he says. Don't be, don't be flattered by his, his um, treatment of you. I guess this is true for, for all people. As we think in our heart, that is how we are. Jesus was talking about to the disciples about uh, washing their hands before they eat. We have a, you know, I think most people, Americans, would wash their hands before they eat. And you have signs around restrooms. You must always wash your hands before you go start a restaurant or whatever. Um, that's a good thing. But the Pharisees were concerned about the ceremonial washing. Uh, they weren't concerned about the bacteria on their, on their hands. They were concerned about the ceremonial washing. And Jesus said that uh, the way the Pharisees were, were uh, requiring or pushing this ceremonial washing was missing the point. And so he speaks to them, and he says unto them, Are you, oh, this is actually the disciples, he was talking to the disciples after the interaction with the Pharisees. Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out in the draft, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out, or that which originates, of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Of course, he's talking about about spiritual defilement, not, not whether you get sick from the bacteria that you uh, have on your food when you go traveling over in other countries. Uh, but defiling a person. So in, in, in one setting here, he uh, fulfilled the Mosaic law of, of uh, food requirements. He said nothing can defile you ceremonially, ceremonially, um, and also establish that evil comes from within the heart of man. So out of our hearts are the issues of life. Well, how can all these awful things come out of our hearts? Where do they come from? Well, James talks about how people go astray. If you're familiar with the uh, temptation explanation, James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Uh, in, this, in this explanation, 
James James says that people are tempted from within. Um, The scripture gives several accounts where it says that Satan is active in implanting things. Um, I think actually in Ananias' case, Peter said, why hath Satan filled thine heart, or put this into thine heart, the light of the Holy Ghost? Um, is that what I thought of? Can't get it right now. Um, but whatever, whatever happens, oh yes, it was uh, uh, Judas. Uh, the scripture says that, is that Satan entered into Judas <clears throat> during his, his uh, fall into the, into the uh, uh, betrayal. But according to, to James here, generally, people are tempted from within. Uh, we don't need outside influence to give us a bent toward toward wrong. Uh, we have we have enough of a bent toward wrong just from within. And he says, uh, "Do not do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not err." After he explains how temptation happens, he says, do not err. Um, Error here isn't do not sin. It means do not roam from safety or do not roam from truth or virtue. Um, I think Paul would phrase it, do not make provision for the flesh. So these negative, these negative Results of a uh, incurable heart start really, really small. They start as thoughts. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, all the people that splash through the news that are in, in jail, Eric Freen, um, etc. The, the people who do done bad things. Those actions started in their hearts. Uh, people who do sins of the mind, like jealousy and covetousness, that also starts in their hearts. Uh, they just don't get put in jail for it. But it's just as, it's still a serious sin before God. About two weeks ago, uh, back on October 24th, uh, Friday, two weeks ago, there was a jail in Freiburg uh, that was a high school student in Washington State. And over lunchtime, he pulls a pistol out of his pocket and shoots five of his classmates at the cafeteria table, and then he shoots himself. Uh, not too long ago, he had been awarded the um, Homecoming Prince title, uh, some type of an honor that the school bestowed on people they thought were, were uh, promising. Um, he seemed to be a friendly person. But suddenly he just flew apart. You know, what what could go on in a mind like that? Of course he's he's not living anymore. We can't we can't get back and investigate. But according to James here, temptation starts with erring. It starts with with wandering. Here. 
It starts with roaming from safety, truth, or virtue. I, was, I talked a bit before about how gullible people are. People are gullible listening to themselves. Uh, it seems that he had had some personal disappointments. Uh, maybe some friendships that, that, that broke down. Um, of course, he had a Facebook account. and Everything gets plastered across Facebook. Whatever you think, you type into Facebook. So the whole world knows what you thought last week on Thursday at 7.30 in the evening. I don't know why anyway, anyway, I ever type that kind of thing on Facebook. But anyway, um, although he was a well-liked person, uh, in his mind, his life was ruined. Um, supposedly, he had a girlfriend that broke up with him. And then later somebody said something nasty about him because he was a Native American. Um, and all his popularity just, you know, in his mind, evaporated, was, was, was worthless. And, you know, just kind of, kind of guessing, guessing along between the lines here. But somehow he came to the point that he believed that life was worthless and that he could just um, I don't know, get attention by doing a big bad thing. And he shot himself in the head. But first he had to start roaming from truth. He had to start roaming from virtue. It starts in his, in his mind. In Romans 1, Paul says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. I'm not sure if they'll know that he was professing Christian at all. But they became vain their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature often themselves, could be idols, four-footed beasts and things, but worshipped and served the creature, who were creatures too, more than the creator, who is best forever. Amen. Um, as, a, as a person thinks uh, about a comment somebody made, um, this uh, Jalen got into a fight at school over the racist remark, over his nationality, his, uh, his ethnic background, and he was suspended for a day or so. Um, and then his girlfriend relationship broke up. And, and so he began to think, I suppose, I'm just kind of guessing here, but he began to, to think about the things that were negative in his life. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like he didn't have you know, the spirit of Christ or any, any, any uh, godly influence in his life to, to turn him away from from a uh, despair. But even from a worldly perspective, his life was great. Um, he was in a good education system, um, well, from what was available. He wasn't a slum, a slum person. Now, um, he was, had success in his peer group. <clears throat> uh, he was set to become a successful person. Adult. But he became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened and you stop 
You start believing that the whole world consists of this one bad thing that, that, that is about me. They worship and serve the creature. The whole world is about this one bad thing about me. And I become the most important thing in the world. I'm my own idol. And since I'm not turning out like I think I should turn out, then uh, I'm, I'm devastated. They forget that life is, the world is bigger than me. Maybe I should stop thinking about me and start being a good Samaritan to my schoolmates. Turn my hurt into uh, re- redemption. Of course, he didn't have the he didn't have a Christian or a biblical uh, perspective. I don't don't, don't understand. Um, but even non Christians, you know, go through hard times and uh, become proactive in, in their realm of life. <clears throat> But it seems he, he, he got the focus on himself and began to, to, to worship his own success. And if he saw the success falling, um, he thought, he, thought he, was, he, was, he was despairing. So we need to reject random wrong thoughts. You've probably heard the, heard the uh, description about thoughts flying over your head like birds, but you don't have to let them make nests in your hair. We can't help what flies over. Uh, I've had some horrible thoughts already. You know, what if I would say something really nasty to somebody? You know, that person over there. Uh, I don't know why I think that. But we need to, we need to reject that quickly. And, and remember that we need to bring every thought under the captivity of, of Jesus Christ. Under, under, under the captivity of the Spirit. Take, take our thoughts captive. Uh, and not... And not, not dwell on thoughts that we know, know are wrong. Um, that's roaming from safety. We're erring. We're going towards the temptation route. Until um, our lust or our, our lusts can, can, can be um, a variety of feelings. But an inordinate desire towards something. In this case, perhaps it was an inordinate desire toward his own success. And our whole view becomes full of this one thing that we think is most valuable to us. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. People can build up virtual reality in their minds. This imaginary world. And not focus on what is true. Of course, God is truth. Uh, And truth to a Christian is we need to live in truth. Um, God is truth. The devil is a lie. And so as, as uh, God's children, we base our lives on truth. And we need to keep basing our lives on truth on purpose. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity of the thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations, uh, things that we think. These are these are think thinking imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Um, again, we're, we're gullible people. I, I'm, I'm gullible. 
I think maybe the rest of you might be some too. But, uh, people tend to believe things about themselves, not just about the new marketing marketing program. Um, but yes, casting down imaginations. <clears throat> if I think that so-and-so doesn't like him because he didn't wave at me on the road, he's starting to have a grudge against me or something. That's an imagination. You have no idea. Maybe he was, maybe it was some of his eyes. You know, whatever. I mean, any, any number of things could be the case. Uh, but little, little things can start a chain reaction. Then the next time we meet him, you know, he doesn't look at you or something. It, it, adults can be as foolish as children sometimes. We don't put away childish things as we should. But God wants us to cast down these imaginations and these high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God, against the knowledge of God, against the truth about the situation. In Philippians 4, 7 and 8, it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Not wandering from virtue, not beginning to err. Like I mentioned, we can have a, a strong feeling coming from a small incident, uh, especially when it's a thought flashes in our mind that somehow now we're threatened by this Incident. Somebody had how someone related to us, or uh, you know, some some happening. I had a embarrassing incident. Um, if I've told anybody, my wife perhaps. So here you go. <laughs> um, oh, five or six or so years ago, we were in another community between school terms. Um, I went, went there for for a job, and so I was in town with a borrowed vehicle. Um, and I had my paycheck in the vehicle, and I was sneaking around town trying to find some roses for my uh, wife and I's anniversary surprise. Surprise for her, not for me. <clears throat> and so I was checking different places, and I went to this grocery store where I thought they might have some roses. Um, I went in, and no, they didn't. So I went back out and went to the vehicle, and the door wasn't latched. And I distinctly remembered locking the vehicle in a strange town with somebody else's car. Of course, I would lock the vehicle. And it, the door, was, the door was, was partially open. And so I opened the door and looked under the, in the console area where I had hidden my paycheck and I couldn't find it. And my adrenaline went up. I had some scenarios in my mind of what was going on here. This is in Tennessee where, where a lot of, uh, well, let's see. Um, they lock everything up there, all right? <clears throat> uh, you lock your tool trucks, you lock your vehicles. If you don't, things will walk off. You lock your shops, you lock, um, somehow that's the culture there. I 
I'm sorry, that's how it is. So, and I knew about that, I knew that. And so, here I've been robbed in broad daylight in a, in a grocery store parking lot while I was searching for roses for my wife. They said, I, I think um, I, someone broke in my vehicle. I thought perhaps they must maybe had security cameras or something. They could look it up. So, they say, well, okay, I'll call, the, I'll call the police. So they called the police and they handed me the phone. And so I told them that, yeah, I was, um, and the store went out and the, the, the door was unlatched and I, I thought that somebody had been in and I couldn't find my paycheck. So okay, I'll be out. So I went out back out to my vehicle and, and then soon the policeman came and, and uh, just as he pulled up, um, he said, what else, what else is missing? Do you, do you know what, anything else that's, that's missing? Well, here's somebody else's vehicle. They had all their papers and console was full of stuff. And, and so I was looking through to see what else might have been rearranged or, or uh, ransacked. And guess what? <laughs> My paycheck. <laughs> I was very embarrassed. <laughs> so I stammered and stuttered around to the policeman. And he was very nice about it. He didn't, didn't, you know, scold me or anything. Uh, <laughs> um, he seemed to think that it would, would have been a normal happening if it ha- would have happened. Um, I told him that, wow, I'm glad that no one has this on their conscience. He said, it wouldn't have bothered him. Don't <laughs> don't be a... Don't be a you know, worried about their conscience. They don't have a conscience. It wouldn't have bothered them at all if they would have robbed you. Um, so, anyway. But all that fiasco, um, because, well, I was primed for the situation. I was sneaking around town myself in a strange town, not knowing where I was, in a borrowed vehicle, uh, lots of uncertainties, uh, and somehow I didn't latch the door correctly, I guess. And I distinctly remembered locking it. But my mind just went whoosh right up to the top on the, the, the highest level of surmise. And it turned out to be totally false. Tennessee is a nice place to visit. So in that case, I, w- I had a very forgiving heart toward the thief. Um, I wasn't being angry. You know, I, I wasn't sinning in that way. Um, but I definitely had imaginations. And if our imaginations like that are turned towards people, um, of course the result is much more serious. It, it defiles our hearts. But I was very forgiving toward this thief. I, was, I really was. I, I, I can remember that. <laughs> so I guess next time I, I get robbed, I can just pass it on to that, that person instead. So what I should have done, I suppose, is recognized in myself Suddenly, I am very excited. You know, I was. My bowels 
did funny things. My kidneys too. I'm maybe my heart did funny things. It started beating fast. It's not fun feeling like you're robbed in a strange town. I should have recognized that. There's the symptoms of irrational thought coming on. Okay. The gullibility meter shot up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, if, if, if we get those feelings that somebody's hurting me, make sure that they actually need forgiveness before you start forgiving them. <laughs> All right, um, out of our hearts come the issues of life. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A person can, can hide what's in their heart for a long, long time. Um, turn in your Bibles to John 12. We'll start there. I'm going to skip down through a bit of the, the uh, path of Judas. If you can follow on all the, all the we'll use, use some of the other Gospels as well. John 12, the first six verses. And this is about when Jesus was at the supper where Lazarus was and Mary and Martha seemed to have been there. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There made they. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was this ointment not, why was this ointment not sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bear what was put therein. This account is just a bit sketchy. Um, but I think we can logically fill in some, some blanks. If Mary would have sold the ointment, and given the money to her favorite charity, guess who that would have been? Jesus. And Judas was the treasurer of the Jesus charity. Or else, why was he wanting to have the money, the, the, the ointment sold and given to the poor? Because he carried the treasury bag. So the only way that money could get into his treasury bag was if it was given, given through Christ. I'm just kind of guessing about that. Um, if, if, the, if Mary would have sold the ointment and given the money to the temple... Judas would never have seen it. It wouldn't have done him any good at all. But he was, he was wanting to have the, money, the ointment sold so that he would be able to get a hold of some of the money. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Uh, this was a... <clears throat> he had begun thinking, thieving thoughts uh, a long time before this. It says here, he was a thief. Uh, not that he began to be a thief, or that he was tempted to be a thief. Uh, but he seems to have been pilfering <clears throat> uh, Jesus' support money. 
uh, Jesus ate something. You know, uh, he sent disciples in to buy, buy food at, at Samaria, I think it was, uh, when the woman at the well came out to him. <clears throat> but Judas was a thief. His craving for money was going to get him in trouble. And here he thought he should, they should have given, sold this and given it to the poor, so for, for, to Jesus, perhaps, and then he would be able to get some of it and spend it on something himself, or just hoard it, I don't know. In Matthew 26, verse 14 to 16, you can just listen or, follow, or look it up, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Um, from what I could tell, I think this was about two days or so before the Passover, when he had this meeting with the, with the chief priests. And here again, Judas is setting up a situation where he will get some money. Uh, not just laundering money out of the, out of the uh, uh, poor fund, but here he wants to get money from the chief priests, betray Jesus, and what does Jesus do when he gets in a tight spot? Well, he just walks through the crowd and disappears. They can't find him. He doesn't get pushed off the brow of the hill after all. Um, they pick up stones to stone him, and somehow the stones never get thrown. And so he will disgrace his master. He will, dis- he will disgrace Jesus, force Jesus into this uh, a policeman bad man situation, so he can get 30 pieces of silver. I don't know how much money that was worth. And what I can do with 30 pieces of silver. And if it's $100 or $1,000 or whatever. But it seems to me that this originally, in, in, in Judas' mind, was a money scheme. He didn't hate Jesus. I don't think so. He didn't love him very much, or he wouldn't have you know, used him in this way. Um, but I don't think he wanted Jesus dead because of what happened later. In the garden, it describes the scenario there. And while he yet spake, Jesus was speaking, Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Uh, and he came and kissed Jesus. And they laid hands on him and took him away. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he hadn't expected Jesus to be condemned, it seems like. Jesus could do all kinds of stuff. Jesus could heal people. And he had actually gotten away from the chief priests, or the, the uh, angry people of the Jews, uh, several times, at least twice, when they were hoping to kill him on the spot. And he just got away. And suddenly, this time, his little money scheme uh, wasn't wasn't uh, turning out like he was expecting. When he saw that he was condemned, 
repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He wasn't trying to sell Jesus to the chief priests. He was trying to get money. That's my understanding of it. He was trying to make, make some money off of this situation. Now, he was using Jesus in a disrespectful way, obviously. Uh, but when he, he saw Jesus was actually caught and he wasn't getting away this time, he really backed down and said he, he repented. or He wished he hadn't done it. Uh, he didn't want Jesus caught. He took the money back and, and threw it at the, at the chief priest because they said they don't want it. Said, That's your business, not ours. And he threw it down and ran out. And his adrenaline shot up. He was having vain imaginations. And like Jalen Freiburg, he began to believe that his life, the whole world, is ruined. Uh, Peter got forgiveness for his betrayal. Um, and, you know, there's some prophecy involved here, so I'm not sure quite what to say about it, except that I think we can be certain that God never forces anyone to sin. If you're found in the book of Isaiah, doing something wrong, uh, <clears throat> maybe if you're prophesied about... Um, It's because you chose to grow up that way. Or you, you made choices that put you in a place to fulfill a prophecy. That's sort of perhaps how, how it could be. Um, but I, think, I think we can be pretty sure that God never forces anyone to sin. <clears throat> and you know, whether we say God used Judas because he knew how he was going to be, that's, that's perhaps a good explanation. Um, but Judas made his own decisions. Judas made his own, his own uh, uh, imaginations Jesus was gullible to himself. And it also seems like Satan had some direct influence in him as well. Uh, because in, in the New Testament and other places it says that Satan would not have had Jesus crucified if he would have known what would happen because of it. <clears throat> so perhaps, perhaps Judas is uh, yielding to his own Lusts for money placed him into Satan's power. So we don't want to, we don't want to go down that, that route. We want to not err, not swerve from, from the truth. Um, Judas had a, a inclination towards thievery, towards covetousness. Um, just like, I probably see a little example along. Here's some liquid. Um, if anyone cares to know, it's sodium acetate solution. It gets used to uh, as a powder to flavor salt and vinegar chips. Anyway, sodium acetate would really, really like to be frozen. Uh, I'm going to give this some personality, just like my guts has personality. Um, sodium acetate solution would like to freeze, but it doesn't know how. Um, it's too, it's cold enough to be frozen. It freezes at a very warm temperature. It becomes a solid. 
but its environment is restricting it. Okay? Um, this is like a, a person that has a heart bent to do evil, um, but they're in a church group. Okay? They, their, their, their culture, their um, family restraints are, are such that they can't do what they want to do. So they <clears throat> inside. Well, the solution would bad, bad like to be a solid. Uh, it takes just a teeny, meeny, meeny bit of influence and it'll freeze in about five seconds. I'll get a lid off. All you have to do is put a little teeny, meeny bit of uh, solid into it. All you have to do is put somebody in their own crowd Others who are just like them. Let me get a little piece here. And suddenly, all the desires that were inside all along come out. And they do something really bad. I never thought they'd do that. They were, they were a, a, a nice person. But from within, however you think, that's how you are. And you can hide it. You can, you can have it suppressed against your will. Um, but however you think, that's how you are. So these people, they're people who suddenly do something wrong. I mean, seriously, mega wrong. Uh, because they suddenly have the opportunity to do like they always wanted to do. Let's try this. This is supposed to work. So it's all runny and liquid. If you drop this crystal in. The whole thing freezes solid just like that little, little crystal was. It's all hard. It wants to be frozen. Its heart is hard, although it's liquid. You can't tell it's a liquid. It's solid. It wanted to be frozen so badly. It wished it could go do whatever it wasn't supposed to do. But the restrict, its environment restricted it. Uh, that's that's a, a big risk for church folks. Uh, when you don't guard your heart, when I don't guard my heart, I can start to go down these imagination tra- trails, um, fantasy trails. Oh, what if I could do so and so and so? Why? Oh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? I know our church doesn't like it. Our brothers wouldn't like it. Um, that's not hard to start on. So, maybe our risk isn't doing a school murder, you know, like I was describing earlier, J- Jalen Freiberg. But we have other risks that will separate us from God if we keep down the, down the path. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life, uh, the, the life that you portray, will come out of your heart. And if you think you can hide how your heart really is, you maybe you can for a while, but at some point it's going to come out. Um, maybe it's the judgment, I don't know. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll keep your secret all until you die. Um, but it always comes out at the end. 
and the the true condition of your soul will be will be on display for all to see. And the books are opened. So may we all be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy? Think on those things.